Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Oh, Dad, you don't even know where the dog's leash is. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I lived by this advice, and I give this advice to the youth. Second date, no makeup. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Just try for a week, zero negativity. It's kind of like going screen-free. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Your mom resting face ain't a pretty sight, ladies, let's be honest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about your best relationship advice. You guys have good advice for everything, and the relationship thing was so its own category, we made it its own episode. So we are back. We're really back with part two of World's Best Advice Hashtag relationships. Right. This is this is the season two relationships. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to this advice because we got so much. I want to cover it. Dive in, Amy. Dive in the deep right. end. The first sort of like obvious thing that everybody says, but I think it I think it matters, is that you have to let's let's start with our like our, you know, partner, our romantic relationship, the person we're raising our kids with. We have to prioritize that relationship. And like, I know, and like, uh, what does that mean? But it but right. it matters. Everyone says like put your spouse first, put your spouse before the kids. The marriage is the center of the family. But it's very true. And this is like so much of the advice that we talked about in best life advice is like, yes, we get it, but right? Like we also have a lot of reasons why it doesn't work day to day. And this is something my husband and I were just saying last night, like it is so easy for us and we constantly fall back into like business partners. Like, okay, tag you're it. Like this morning, I have to record the podcast. So you take the kids to school. Okay, tag you're it. Okay, you're home, get to work. I'll see you later. Come on up. You get the kids what they want to drink. Like we just are all day like tag teaming and tagging each other in and out. And what happens as a result of that is we start treating each other like annoyed coworkers, you know? And so right away, it's like, oh, I told you to get the kids their drinks and you didn't do it. Why are you getting in the way of our business model? You know, what happens is we're not prioritizing each other. We're just prioritizing the chaos of the day and the kids. You're running a daycare together. We're running a daycare <laughs> and we're like miserable coworkers. And then like, that's where like romance goes out the window. You know, it's like, who wants to make out with their like annoying coworker from the daycare? Nobody. I think sometimes people get mystified as to like, 
well, wait, I used to really love this guy and find him sexy and, you know, love being with him. We had these great talks and now we just like spend all of our time hating each other. It's because you've accidentally become angry coworkers at the daycare. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe in this sort of as an axiom. I just am not I'm not always sure how to make make it work. Right. Like get date night on the books once a week. I hear that. And that, of course, is we say we're going to do it and then we don't exactly like, Feels like a job. Yeah. Or, or, or like go get away. Just the two of you like go to go to the Holiday Inn down the street. I don't care. But that that seems to me to be like a way that you can invest in your relationship. You know, get the grandparents to take care of the baby for one night. And, and it's amazing how interesting your spouse becomes when the kids aren't around. And it's just the two of you. But I if you do it that way, I think you're going to have problems because for most of us, Babysitting is expensive. Getting away is expensive. Like, do you have people to watch your kids while you're away? Like, you can't just do it as like, we'll go to Fiji and rediscover each other. Like, that may not happen. So you have to do it kind of every single day. And one thing that you said a long time ago on the po- po- on the what now? On the podcast, is that same team. Like, that you and your husband sometimes start like, you know, biting at each other. And then someone's like, same team. Remember, we're on the same team. Yeah. It's really about keeping the original joy of your relationship in the center. Because if you just keep your partner in the center and he becomes the annoying daycare coworker, you're like, wait, I don't want to be in the center with you. You're annoying. You have to keep the original like joy of it in the center. And that's a lot harder. The same team thing to me is more about like when you're, you know, when you're fighting a struggle together and then uh, and then the sort of the, the the point of the relationship becomes more clear. But I, I, I want to sort of unpack like what is what is it? mean to prioritize your your spouse your romantic relationship like on a tuesday night at home like you're making dinner and somebody needs help with their homework what what does that mean to put that into practice cuz i'm not sure i i know i think what it means for us is like for us it's like it's us doing it like we can smile at each other when we're doing it we every day there are going to be times that are like completely miserable but Old us before us would like do funny things and laugh together about them. Bad daycare worker us goes into things and like snipes at each other, you know? And so it's it's a tonal thing kind of, I think. It's like finding the thing you love about the person every day and really looking to find that. This is something that Jennifer actually suggested. Jennifer G. She says, don't bash your spouse in front of your kids, even if he never picks his stuff up and is and is into soaking his dishes. <laughs> she puts soaking in quotes. I have somebody who soaks his dishes also. That's so strange. Oh, a soaker. They're all soakers, Amy. They're all soakers. Don't believe there's a non-soaker out there. They're all soakers. I want to talk about this a little bit more because this is something that, that my spouse has sort of been like, yeah, I need you to not do this because it is sort of a, I feel like this is a trope. Like, like every sitcom is like, oh, dad, you don't even know where the dog's leash is. Like that sort of, you know, thing. Yep. My kids lap that up, right? They're a really eager audience for that. And I mean, it's it's pretty funny. It's a, there's, a, there's a lot to, that's a deep well of material for me. Um, but he, my spouse, doesn't like that. Like, don't make me the butt of, oh, dad, jokes in front of the kids. I like, like that he oh, can like say that to you too, because that's great. Like, Yeah, yeah, you need, like, it bothers me. Like, hey, this bothers me and I don't like it is yeah. a good thing to be able to verbalize. And I think 
if I can just really put the fear of God in you about this once and for all, like this is the thing that I sometimes picture when I get this way. And I am like a naggy demanding wife, like at my very core. And my husband is like a mild mannered, nice person. And so we can easily slide down the rabbit hole into the dynamic of like, David, I said, get the kids some orange nails. And he's like, yes, dear. Like it just, it happens to us. And all I think in those moments is like, how am I going to feel when I'm sitting in my son's living room someday and watching his wife be like, down. Like this, you are modeling what relationships are to your children all day, every day. And you better think about that. Like, do you want your child to end up with someone who like treats them like an idiot and nags them? Or do you want someone who joyfully treats them like a full partner and like gives them a kiss every day? Right. They're going to marry exactly what you model to them. I think my spouse and I are both like completely like completely intolerant of like, don't talk to me that way. Don't talk to me that way. So like we don't give each other a hard time, but prioritizing them is different. It's like, I guess, give them give them a kiss when they walk in the door, like like give them the pork chop first. What does prioritize? No, I think prioritize is so simple. I think you're overcomplicating it. Prioritize your spouse means treat your spouse like you like them for most of the day. Like if you just made that your goal, you'd be done. That's all prioritizing your spouse is. Like how many times a day do I get up, my husband and I are like, the alarm goes off. We like both roll out our sides of the bed. We kind of shuffle. We get into the kitchen. We start making breakfast. You go to work? Yeah. Get the kids, hey, orange juice, whatever. And we get through our whole day like that until we like shuffle into bed at the end of the day. We're like, good night. And we fall asleep. Like that's not prioritizing your spouse. Prioritizing your spouse is like, making an effort to roll over in the morning, smile at your spouse and give them a kiss and say good morning. (laughs) And then like get out of debt, had you sleep. Like just simple, the way you used to act when you were dating them, like being nice, kind and loving to them. That's all it is. Colleen says that you should always talk about your spouse like they are right next to you. Well, I I mean, I've said this before and I could not believe this more. I don't, I think talking about people badly in general is a bad thing to do and a really bad thing to model to your kids, but never your spouse. When I hear people talking badly about their spouse to me or in public, I'm always like, that's not a good sign. This reminds me of something that Becca says. She's, this is sort of a bigger thing, but it, but it relates, I think. She says that something that I've learned over the years is to be very careful who you choose to, to vent about your relationship problems. And her answer is sort of like, don't vent. I mean, vent to one person, vent to your therapist. Don't, don't tell everybody who will listen how your, you know, your spouse never X, Y, Z, that that's a bad thing to let in. It's- so- I'm going to include that in this. It's also an extension of the thing of like how you treat your spouse is how you talk about your spouse. Like if you are talking badly about your spouse to everybody who will listen, you are putting like anchors on your relationship. You're just dragging yourself down. Like then everyone you see greets you to be like, uh, how's David? It's like, uh, you know, you're right in that mode. Like it's so cliche, but like life is what you make it. Life is what you give it. It's the story you tell yourself. If you constantly tell yourself the story of my husband is an idiot, you see your husband as an idiot. You treat him as an idiot. He acts like an idiot. Like you are just feeding the beast. Like I, even when I treat my husband badly, I would never in a million years go to anybody else and say anything bad about my husband. Because when I think about him, when he's not like right in front of me, I'm like, he's the greatest guy ever. 
Do you know who Harville Hendricks is? He wrote the book called Getting the Love You Want and like keeping the love you find. I have never heard of Harville Hendricks. Making the marriage you have or whatever. Great, great book, Getting the Love You Want, Harville Hendricks. Hmm. Read it. Is it too late? I mean, I already have the love. (laughs) I'm done. You're doing fine. I missed the boat, Harville. Sounds like you're doing pretty well. But if you find yourself, as all of us will, in a relationship that lasts more than a couple of years, in the rut of sniping at each other and seeing the annoying in each other rather than the reason we picked each other, he has has this tool that he has people practice called zero negativity. And it sounds so corny and it totally works that if you're right, on in this snipey thing with your spouse like just try just try for a week zero negativity you can't say anything negative to each other about each other or you know why did like i thought you were going to turn the coffee machine on this morning and the and your spouse your partner gets to go like eh, negative and and like oh sorry and you take it back i did this Uh, one-sided. I did this for a week. I decided to take it because my husband and I were getting pretty snipey with each other to really just go zero negative, to just not allow negative things to come out of my mouth, including passive aggressive, including just need salt, including passive aggressive. Oh yes. Yes. Including, could you close the door? Whatever. (laughs) Zero negative. And it's kind of like going screen free. It was like hard for a day and then incredibly easy. And then I never quite went back to the, you know, barbed humor that I had been using at times. And that the key thing about this is it is the ultimate back to one. You are always resetting. Like my husband and I always fall. We were just saying this morning, like, oh my God, day daycare coworkers, like, and we're going on vacation on Friday. And we're like, all right, Friday well, on vacation, we gotta really just concentrate on like enjoying each other, enjoying the kids. Like, and we just snipe at the kids. Like we're just a kind of miserable, like bunch of trolls right now. And we're hoping that like getting away for a little bit, will reset it, but you're constantly resetting stuff. And one other thing I will add to this category of things is touching your spouse, kissing your spouse, taking a moment to hug each other. Like when I find this like snipey bad stuff going on, the first thing that has fallen away is like, we have almost no physical contact during the day. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. just, it feeds it again. Like what I try to do when I'm feeling that snipey way is like, take a minute, roll over in bed in the morning, kind of cuddle a little bit. How was your night? I mean, we both have horrible morning breath. We're not like, you know, chatting all day, but like just a minute to connect physically can make a big difference in this too. And you're right. And that's another thing that seems really sort of um, corny and forced, but just finding ways for physical contact, pat the, pat your partner on the back, you know, rub their arm as you walk by. If, if you probably once were more cuddly all the time than you are now. I remember my, my husband used to be like mortified when I'd kiss him at the corner, like by the subway station that, you know, somebody might see us. That's how, that's how he was. <laughs> that's so cute. And you know, now, now I have to like be like, oh, like, old. you know, now I have to be like, oh, kiss him goodbye. Like we're, like we're 24 again. Um, But, but you know, putting that back in your relationship artificially really yields rewards. And that's putting your spouse first. Like you don't have to get too mystified by it. And also not for nothing people, every time you make eye contact with your spouse, smile at them. Like (laughs) it's a game changer. If you watched a videotape of yourself, you'd be amazed. Like you just have like a really mean face every time your spouse (laughs) looks at you. If you could just train yourself to like every time you make eye contact, break in a big smile as if you were happy to see him, you would be 
Your life work would be on your, your your mom resting face, right? Probably could use yeah, some improvement. Yeah, exactly. Your mom resting face ain't a pretty sight, ladies. Let's be honest. So much All more right. advice to get to, Amy. So and we'll much get to more. it right after this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, so uh, now we know how to get along with our spouse all the time, except when we fight. Sometimes we fight. Smile, smile. Smiles, smiles everyone. Smiles. That's an, <laughs> that is an old deluxe alert. Back in my day. Yes. For those of you not as old as us, there was a show called Fantasy Island where they'd see a plane Fantasy landing on an island. island. Talk about reconnecting with your spouse. It was all just like people who needed to fall in love with each other again, as I recall. Oh and my God. We're assigning homework. Everyone has yeah, to go to yeah, like everybody Netflix has to watch this. or wherever you can find it and watch Fantasy Island because this is literally what it's about. Like our, when I say we have a vacation coming up and we're going to try to reconnect, we should go to Fantasy Island. Just go to then Fantasy we go Island. And Mr. Rourke, our magical host and tattoo, would greet us <laughs> and we'd be like, Mr. Rourke, tattoo, we've fallen out of love with each other. We so never tattoo even tattoo is a little anymore. person. Tattoo is a little person yes. that he had to go to like a high place, as I recall. Like he'd say, the plane, the plane. Oh, no, no. He said, the plane, the plane. The plane was coming. And then Mr. O'Rourke would say to all his employees, of which there were like three, he'd say, smiles, everyone, smiles, right before the people I got off Amy, the plane. I don't want to take us too far off topic, which we've already got. <laughs> but did you just say Mr. O'Rourke? I think it was Mr. O'Rourke. Oh, Amy. Amy, people. Amy, Amy. 
We're going to put no. this. I'm, I mean, I'm, let's we're not going to settle this now. But Mr. O'Rourke, people, Amy's we'll, we'll, we'll put this in the face. All right, let's get back on topic. Okay, we're going to fight about this. And when we do fight, we're going to Yes, how angry. are we going to get over our fight that the guy's name was not Mr. O'Rourke? You know what we're going to do? We're going to do what Anna Lynn says and go to bed angry. We're just going to be like, all right, fine. You, you, I, I agree with her on this, that you should go to bed angry, that it's sometimes helpful and perfectly acceptable. She says, often you wake up not remembering why you were angry. And I'm going to say, like, I have definitely stayed up until, you know, two in the morning saying like, well, we ha- well, we need to work this out. We have to, but no, no, we have to see it. And, and no, you don't. You don't have to see eye to eye on everything. Sometimes I'm going to give you the advice that yes. changed my life on this topic. Go ahead. You are not allowed to have a conversation with your spouse in which one of you is lying down. <laughs> Game changer. Game changer. Because what happens is, and I have changed my life. I have seen the light, people. I am on the other side of the mountain. Like, I was the queen in every, I mean, every week I would do it. Lying down in bed, my husband who I worked, I was a writer. So like I could sleep until 10 a.m. and then work on and off all day. My husband had to be up at seven o'clock to be at his actual job. And he would come to bed and I would at like 1030 at night, I would say, we need to talk about something. And then I would keep him up for three hours having a long circular fight about who knows what, about something that I wasn't happy with or whatever it was. And it was torture. Like I look back and I'm so embarrassed. But then somebody was like, no, 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 you're not allowed to have any conversations while you're lying down. And we never fought again, basically. Okay. (laughs) It's crazy. What happens is you're tired, your mind is racing, and you have like this like poison in your soul that you have to like spew out. I see you. Dis- because you're discharging. it's 11 o'clock right. at night. It's only a poison discharge. Uh-huh. And I have gotten in the habit. This happened last night in my house. My husband was coming to bed and I was like, listen, honey, I am in a horrible mood. I don't know what's going on with me. It could be hormonal. I'm tired. I'm a little bit sick. I am about to fight with you. And if I start talking to you, you know what? Just go read a book in the other room until I go to sleep. I, I'm going to do the thing where I fight with you for three hours because I feel that in my bones. And instead, I went to bed and he went to bed. And when we woke up, we were both in good moods. This scenes, this reminds me of the 10-10-10 rule that we talked about on uh, the the last advice episode. Like when you're fighting about something, keep in mind like this matters. This will matter very much in 10 minutes. Uh, it might not matter that much in 10 months and 10 years when I look back now at the things we stayed up until three o'clock in the morning, you know, hashing out, I don't, I don't remember what they were. We're still together. So I guess we hashed it out, but, but I'm not sure that those hours of like, you must agree with me. You must come to my side. Conversations really change anything. Like you, you're allowed, you're allowed to be two people with two viewpoints and you don't have to have common ground on everything. As long as you have common ground on like the big stuff, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I just think sometimes that frustration you need to work out, but a lot of times that frustration is much better served by going to bed really, really angry and then waking up the next day and figuring it out. And my husband and I have had big conflicts over big things that were problematic and they didn't go away by the time we woke up the next morning. But there's only so much you can hash it out. I mean, often one person has done something bad. The other person is mad at them. And you're not going to talk that out. You can talk until three o'clock in the morning, but you're just going to go around in circles. This is like such an old lady thing to say, but oh my God, stop, stop, go to bed angry. I could not agree more. Yeah. 
Can we say? Can we talk about what uh, what Tara says? Because it's kind of the same team thing that I like to say. She says, "When you and your spouse are fighting, remember it's you two versus the problem, not you against each other." Yeah, good to remember and good to actually like say out loud and frame. Yeah, identify the problem and realize that you're both trying to solve it. I mean, basically, all of those three o'clock fights for my husband and I would come down to us both saying like, we love each other and we're trying to get along and this thing is getting in the way of that. Like as a practical, very practical example, my husband used to be a terrible gift giver and special day rememberer. And so my birthday was always like, he was kind of showing up, you know, like with like flowers from the grocery store that he'd run out and gotten that morning and and like a card that he had clearly like written while driving. And I would get crazy and so upset. And we would have these like four hour, three o'clock in the morning fights of like, I just don't even know if I want to be in a marriage like this where I'm not valued and like going around these crazy turns. And then at some point in a calm moment, we sat down and I was like, you know, the bottom line is you have to set an alarm a week before every special event. Your phone does that for you. Mm. And just make a bigger effort because it's very important to me. And I know you love me, but if you keep failing at this, I'm going to get really mad at you. And we fixed it. We really fixed it. He he now is like an extraordinarily amazing gift giver because he just found a solution to the problem. That book, The Five Love Languages, uh, lays that out really clearly because the problem there is, right, like, like uh, cards and gifts aren't that important to him. If they were, he'd be doing it, you know, giving you beautiful cards and gifts and be hurt if you weren't reciprocating. They aren't important to him. They are important to you. He needs to learn that. And he, yeah, and he needs to put a structure in place like, okay, this makes my partner feel loved, so do it. And probably cards don't mean that much to him. Or does he or, or do that? You tell me. No, I mean, I think that's right. I think he would go without them. And also, I just think guys have that feeling of like, well, every year the magical elves bought me stuff on my birthday and bought me cards and stuff. And it's like, that was your mom. Yeah. You know? Like, that's me now for five people. So you have to do it for me. Yeah. Like, there's no magical elves. I think my my husband has a lot of like magical thinking around like magical things happen. And it's like, no, that was always your mom. Everything right. magical that you're thinking about, that was a woman doing that. Like, yep. and I, I actually think like he has trouble understanding that sometimes. Yep. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Right. The, Chris- the Christmas morning thing that we teach all our children, it, it comes back to bite us when they don't know how to, uh, you know, give a heartfelt sentiment back to somebody because I never had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And in the same way that your husband was able to sit down with you and say like, or stand up with you, whatever, and say, hey, I don't like being the butt of the jokes in this family. And my husband has sat down with me and been like, when you get upset, you just start talking to me like I'm a moron. Like, I don't want you to do that anymore. Like the other key thing, when your partner tells you something is bothering them, they win. Like, you don't get to be like, you shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. That's not realistic. That's not what I mean. When your partner says to you, this bothers me, this upsets me, you have to figure that thing out. If that person says, like, it upsets me that you are not a size two with a gigantic rack and like blonde hair, you don't have to change your whole life to be with somebody. But if your pers- partner gives you a reasonable thing that is bothering them, you have to listen. And But when you when you are that partner, you need to put it into terms of like, this is what I need you to do. I need you to get me cards and write beautiful things in them. I, I need you to, to, put, to put a lot of thought into what you give me because it means so much to me. I need you to talk kindly in front of me, in front of the kids, and, and try to frame it as a thing that they can do instead of a thing that they have to stop doing because it's hard to like 
stop being annoying, stop being demanding. Like it's it's hard to give somebody a negative request. It's hard for them and to I'm fulfill And I'm going to circle that. back to my therapist mom's advice on this, which is like, it, it's such a touchstone. You can only change behavior. You can't change what's underneath behavior. You can't make somebody, you can't say to someone, stop worrying. But you can help someone figure out, like, I can't say to my husband, it really kills me that you're so absent-minded. Like, that's never going to change. Right. I chose an absent-minded person to marry. So if I decide to be mad at that all the time, that's on me. That's a non-changeable force. But I can change the behavior around that that bothers me. So I can say, I would like you to set an alarm and get me a present every year on my birthday. And he's changed it. So just make sure that the thing you're attacking is behavior, that it's not a fundamental quality of the person because that's not going to change. Or a perceived emotional state, like you don't care enough about me or like think like how like how do you how do you change that? Yeah, give them something. You don't change do. that. You get up to the behavior and you say, and they've done a ton of studies because I think sometimes people are turned off by the idea of like, I want him to want to do the dishes, not interesting and not possible. Mm -hmm. You really just do want him to do the dishes. They've done a ton of studies on apologies and the studies always find that any apology soothes the hearer of the apology, whether or not that apology is sincere or coerced. The act of the apology is what you want. And so the fact that I know, like my husband, I used to say to him, like, you go to work, you never call me all day. I've got three little kids. It's like, you don't care if we're like surviving back here. And it hurts my feelings. And I know that what my husband did is set an alarm on his phone three times a day to call home, but it doesn't matter. It solved the problem. He called in to check on me three times a day. And that's what I wanted. I wanted the behavior. But if you get into the thing of like, I want you to want to call me, it hurts my feelings that you set an alarm to do that. No, that's yeah. the person you married. Let's talk about some easy fight avoiders that we've gotten from some people because I thought these were some some good advice. Melissa, I love a fight avoider. A fight avoider. Melissa says her mother-in-law gave her this advice. If one of them feels more strongly about something, let the other person win. She said, I think that's good advice. your battles. Yeah, I, I think. Very good advice. And of course, she says this is an important caveat. It only works if both people participate. This is obviously not the invitation to always, always cave to your spouse's whim. No, absolutely. And you have to be aware. I have a friend who said that her husband once said to her, I just don't like fighting with you because you're a much better fighter than I am. <laughs> and I think that's really true in a lot of relationships. One person just becomes domineering. But in my relationship, I'm the much better fighter. Yeah, me too. Like I'm much more <laughs> manipulative and I know how to get my way. And if I wanted to, I could just steamroll my husband a lot. And and in the beginning, I would be like, I want you to kind of fight back and, and I want you to have a point of view. And again, it's like, wait, that's not who this person is. This person is a nice person. Like they're not going to emotionally manipulate you to get what they want. But I am... <laughs> I'm excellent at it. Be, be as good a fighter so, as I am. That, yeah, that's... So I think it's it's good to have those kind of touchstone rules of like, who cares more about this? Okay, let's do it. Anna Lynn says, when spending time with extended family, the spouse who is not related by blood gets to decide when it's time to leave. <laughs> I, I'd never heard that before. That is such a smart rule. <laughs> she says, I will spend hours upon hours with my family, but I'm done after about three with my husband's family and my husband feels the same way. It's interesting how that works, mm -hmm. isn't it? You're like, hmm, never saw that before. I would say, can, yeah. can I give a sort of touchstone for me, like a total a, a fight avoider? If your spouse says, I know you always did Thanksgiving at Aunt Thelma's house, but this year I want to have Thanksgiving with my family, um, and you have to go and present that to your 
mom who's going to be really disappointed don't say well i really want to go to emphalmas you know i do but but he's saying that we have to go to his family this year you present your decisions as a team to the people who are you're going to be disappointing don't say well i wish i could stay yeah, that's but true the other person wants to leave don't throw your spouse under the bus once you've made the decision that you're not going to the family reunion or christmas or that you're doing something different this year it's a team presentation. Team presentation. I mean, it's not going to fool anyone, but yes, I mean, I get, I understand the overall point of view and like supporting each other around all issues with the in-laws is a very, very good idea. Let's talk about keeping things going for the long haul. Let's take a break though first. Okay. Listen, we were all young once and we dreamed of romance and finding that one true love. And each of us had a list of absolutely non-negotiable qualities that we were looking for in a mate. But now we're older and married. And what if we could talk to our younger selves about that list of things? We might have some edits. What Fresh Hell brings you qualities you want in a boyfriend versus Qualities you need in the father of your children. Boyfriend. OMG, he has to be a good dancer. Husband. Yeah, you were really not spending a lot of time dancing. Find a guy who's good at putting together IKEA furniture. Boyfriend. You know what I love? A tight butt. Husband. You know what I love? A guy who can make 20 pancakes in under three minutes boyfriend. I'm also really into abs, husband. It is imperative that you find a guy who can survive on less than six hours of sleep, boyfriend. I am such a sucker for a cute smile, husband. Very crucial to have a high tolerance for weird smells, boyfriend. And for sure, he has to have sexy eyes. Husband. For the love of God, do you realize how infrequently you'll be staring into those sexy eyes once the baby comes? I beg of you, go with the dude with some basic plumbing skills. This has been Qualities You Want in a Boyfriend versus Qualities You Need in the Father of Your Children from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. 
If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Amy, we're back, and you have you have insights for the long. I haul. mean, I think I do oh, the long haul, I, Amy. I think How long have you been married? It will be twenty years this spring. Wow, you're a long haul trucker. I'm, I'm a long hauler, um, and I'm thinking like, geez, what am I gonna? I better I better do something meaningful for that. Nancy says it's not the love that sustains the commitment, but the commitment that sustains the love. True. And I think this is true. Sometimes these things are kind of a downer. Like I read these and like marriage is work. It's hard work every day. Who was it that got up in an award ceremony? Oh, it was Ben Affleck, I think, that, <laughs> that got up there and was like, marriage is hard. I mean, like really hard. And, oh, like, and he sort of- Didn't they get divorced yeah. like a day later? Yeah, like too? a day, yeah, that's a day not great. later. Like not do, great. Not, do not air your laundry in public. But I kind of don't, I mean, it shouldn't be an unending slog, but I think the secret to longevity is, yes, is to try to remember. It's hard to build your life with one person for 40 or 50 years and never get annoyed with them when you know them better than you know anybody else. But yeah, get, if you just sort of keep Keep one part of you remembering what made you love this person in the first place. And, you know, instead of having to rediscover that and claw your way back, try to, I don't know, practice the zero negativity, rub their back a little more, you know, to see them as a person who's who's choosing you. They they love well, you. It's just the attitude is, I mean, attitude is the key to life and attitude is the key to marriage. I have two friends who are from cultures that have arranged marriages and one of them was in her 30s and she had dated a lot. And then she was like, oh, I'm just going to go home and let my parents arrange a marriage for me because I'm not finding anybody and they know me really well and they <clears throat> they want the best for me and I think they'll find someone good. And she entered into an arranged marriage and was still married last time I talked to her. But she was sort of like, every relationship is the same. If you both agree to treat each other really well, you'll get along for your life. And I mean, that's like a whole other bridge far, but like you chose the person, you wanted this person, you know? Would you be happier on any given day, walking out the door and like making out with a hot stranger, you probably would. And they probably would like, but you're in it for something a little deeper than that. And now that you're in it, what are you going to make of it? It's your, your advice from the other episode, make a choice and make that choice. The right choice is the ultimate marriage advice. Mm -hmm. Like you did not find your soulmate. You did not find the one person on earth you're ever going to be happy with, attracted to, you know, you're going to meet other people who you're enthralled by, interested by, you know, it's all of that is still going to be there. You did not open a door and walk through it into the room full of happiness. You know, it's, I think it's a mistake that we expect our, our partner to be all things, right? And to fulfill every need we have. Like, yes, I have my I have my theater going friends. I have my like silly comedy friends and I maintain relationships with them because they do fulfill parts of me. Like my spouse will go see theater with me. He will. Does he love it? Does he want to gossip about, you know, uh, 
who did Call Me Madam better. Not really. But <laughs> no, not interested in that. Mm. But I have, but coming. I do have friends who, who do, or I do have friends, you know, like you who will um, talk about Fantasy Island with me. And like, these are, these are things. Fantasy Island, Mr. Um, not over. Fantasy Island. Uh, yeah, no. And I, I would argue that 90% of the four o'clock in the morning conversations that we had in the beginning of our marriage were about, I would like you to be a completely different person than the person you married. <laughs> and I would like you to fulfill something in me that is really the job of my sister or a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I want you to want to sit here and talk to me about my fi- yeah, my finely tuned emotional life for four hours. And like, I've sensed you're not interested and now I want to divorce. Right. Like, that was all of our conversations in the beginning. And now I have girlfriends who I do that stuff with. And like, it's just, you're not going to be everything to each other. Right, right. And that's okay. And so take that pressure off your relationship. And it does, again, help you uh, see see the positives. Well, that's it. I mean, I, I, I always say this, but like, I always imagined your spouse was like, totally like prince with the horse to like gallop around the fields with. Like, your spouse is like mountain climbing partner, basically. Like you've taken on something difficult together. And so it's like, you just need somebody who's going to like look out for you, care for you in the situation, anticipate some needs and try to make sure you're both safe. I mean, it's just a very different job than the job they sell you when they like put the Jared commercials on TV. I like this mountain climber metaphor. And to expand on it, they're also climbing the mountain so they can... They're also climbing the mountain. <laughs> help you, kind of, but sometimes they're having a hard time climbing the mountain, right? No, that's the key to the whole metaphor. They're also climbing the mountain. So it's also your job to help them climb the mountain. Yeah. Let's go back and revisit our metaphor because you've given me a light bulb moment. <laughs> you think marriage is jumping on someone's back while they climb the mountain, but it's not. It's a mountain climbing partner. That's what it or is. Or you think that, that that they're there to be your Sherpa and to always know right. what needs to happen next and anticipate, okay, you're going to need an extra pair of socks for this next part or whatever. You, right. You and if you spend climbing. your life being like, you're, I'm not on your back, you're not a good Sherpa, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. They're also climbing the mountain. Yeah. yeah. You're climbing the mountain together. Yeah. And it's, it's, it ain't easy. Let's talk a little bit about new relationships okay. because we haven't been in a new relationship for a combined 30 some odd years, right. you and right. I, but we do remember the days. So there might be people who are listening to us. Sure. Plenty of parents are in, are in new relationships and they need, um, <laughs> they need some advice for new I relationships. Like, can we start with your sister's advice? Oh, this is the most important advice in our family. <laughs> so my sister is single and still in some new relationships. And my sister gives her the most important advice, which is don't let the flaming volcano of need erupt too early. Yeah, you got to keep a lid on that thing. I remember my sister had a date one time and she was like, and then I told him, and blah, 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 blah. And as she was going through like the first date and Anne was like, oh, oh, you let the flaming volcano of need erupt too early. <laughs> like you want to keep a bit of a lid on it. You know, just, just keep it together in the beginning. They don't need to see into the depths right away. That's all we're saying. My friend Elizabeth says, the only thing you need to decide on a first date is if you want a second one. So, you know. Keep it simple. Keep it light. Keep it, Keep it light, people. Small talk, small talk. I'm I'm gonna go, I'm gonna swing for the fences, Amy, with some controversial advice. I lived by this advice and I give this advice to the youth. Are you ready for this advice, yes, Amy? Yes. Second date, no makeup. What? <laughs> you heard me. You heard me. <laughs> 
Second date, no makeup. Wow. That was always the way I rolled. First date, I'll dress up a little bit, but second date, like we're going on a hike, we're doing something real. Like I'm not going to make my life about trying to keep up appearances for you. Mm -hmm. Like this is what I look like. I'm not a big makeup person. So like I don't, like on a first date, if I put a lot of effort into like hair and makeup, second date is a hike. Like we're going somewhere, you're going to, this is real me. So no flaming. It takes out all the anxiety about like, oh my God, am I good enough? Am I this enough? It's like, this is the real me. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> you're like on your 7,000th date still. Maybe, no, I'm not. I mean, it's- You're not like a Tammy uh, Faye. Oh my you don't God. Sleep, with, uh, sleep with your eyelashes just on. Just this weekend, I went and put makeup on and, and my husband was like, what did you put makeup on for? And I was thinking like, because I just looked at myself in the mirror like, geez, like- I really should really should make a little bit of an effort for this for this person who Switch needs to still love a me. Little bit. <laughs> no, I mean, I figure like lean in early on that and then you don't have to worry about keeping up appearances. I mean, you don't want to go straight to like, you know, sweatpants and stain t-shirt and, you know, gradually step it down. But I think it's a great idea. Can we talk about Robin's advice? Because I know you really like this one. She, she, Robin's advice is don't go to Oklahoma. And her the way she explains it is that she says this girl is going on a date, finds out the guy she's going to go on a date with is from Oklahoma. And then she said, well, I can't go on the date because what if we like each other? And then we have to move to Oklahoma and I have to leave my family and I'd really miss them. And so I can't go on the date. And, and the moral of the story is you go to Oklahoma in your mind immediately in a situation and uh, you need to don't do that. Don't go to Oklahoma. Just just start and see what happens. Good advice for relationships. Good advice for life. Mm -hmm. My mom would call this catastrophizing, mm -hmm. which is like what about six steps down if it starts to go wrong. I had a boss once who gave me this advice and I, I truly think of it like twice a week, which is say yes until you have to say no. Because in work, especially if you're freelancing, and I've, I've had this now with my husband again, and just lots of situations, oh, they want to interview me at Company X. Okay, that's a great opportunity, and you you love Company X, but I happen to know that Company X's main headquarters is in Arizona, which is somewhere I do not want to live. And so should you go to the interview? Because what if then you get successful at the company and you move up the ranks, and then we have to move to Arizona? Like, it's say yes until you have to say no, because you just say yes to the interview, you go. Do you want to come for a second interview? Yes. Do you want to come for a job? Yes. And then if eight steps down the line, do you want to move to Arizona? No, I'll go somewhere else. But taking the long view can be helpful in terms of sorting stuff out. But when it gets into that catastrophizing, like what if eight steps down, there's a problem? Just say no. I have a really funny story about this. So my okay. my husband, he doesn't work at this place anymore, but he came home from work and said, what do you think about this? They're offering me this head of Latin America job. And I'm, um, I was like, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. So we started planning out like, okay, well, he said, I'd have to go for about two months this summer. I'm okay, like, well, I'll go this summer. And and it was going to be in Brazil. And we said, like, okay, well, uh, I guess we would go spend the summer in Brazil. Um, we already know a little bit of Spanish. We'll get much better at our Spanish. Like, okay. And I was wrapping my head around, like, two months in Brazil, and we'd see what happens, and we'd get really good at Spanish. And it was, like, the next day before I was like, wait a minute. They speak Portuguese in Brazil. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So we'd have to learn Portuguese. New language. Start okay. again. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I didn't but I wasn't like, you can't no, we can't do this. 
guess what happened? I mean, this 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 idea was clearly seen as a terrible one once it was realized that he didn't know a word of Portuguese and you know, in, in about two words of Spanish, and this was a they terrible were like, idea. You're actually not the best fit. It went away, but there was a you know, you did the rule though. You said yes until yes, you had to say there no. There was a forty eight hour period where I was like, okay, our we're family's moving, moving to, Brazil. to Brazil. Okay, okay. You're and, like, when my baby smiles at me, I go to Rio. <laughs> yes. That's old de la Hux. Alert! <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so I mean, I, I think I got, I think I got bonus points that I was able to, you know, stash in the bank to use later. That that the, my, uh, you know, first words to my spouse weren't what? Well, how could you do this? And we can't do that. And even even when I found out, I would have to learn a, you know, a different language than I thought I was going to have to learn. We, st- I still was like, okay, 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 and it went away. And we're still together. Yeah. Because we're willing yeah, to see I where just, the road leads. Right. And it's also, it's fine. It, for some people, Latin America would be no. That's when they have to say no. You, until you have to say right. no. And your no may be in a different place than other people's. Like, if my husband came home today and was like, we might have to move to Arizona, I'd be like, we have to figure something else out. No offense, Arizona. I just mean, it's far from family and I don't really like the sun. And so it would be a bad combination. But would you be me. like non-starter or would you be like, okay, I would be, be like 90% non-starter. No, I mean, I would really say, I think, I mean, again, this is a whole other conversation we've had, but like my triangle is like, being near family, having a base from which we can visit other family. It, it would be so against my triangle that unless it was like, I have to do this for some extremely compelling reason. I mean, obviously, if I would say yes to anything that was someone else's priority for reasons that made sense. But in general, I would say no pretty quickly to moving at this point, unless it was really- I probably in my heart of hearts knew that our moving to Brazil made no sense because he didn't speak Spanish or Portuguese. So I (laughs) I probably, truth be told, knew that I could be like, okay, because I thought to myself, this is never going to happen. You had the the bandwidth to say yes. So I could therefore in that moment say yes until I had to say no because I was pretty sure it wasn't going to come together. With that, Amy, I think I have where we're going to end on for this whole relationship advice. We talk mostly, I would say, about marriages, a little bit about dating, a little bit about friendship, but this advice, I need to take it. It's from Katie. She has a gem from her great-grandmother, which is, if you have a problem with everybody, everybody isn't the problem. (laughs) Yep. I love this advice. It's so true. And I've talked to so many people and I've been this person, like everyone in my class is annoying. It's like, "Mm, I have a feeling that's not everybody. Let's turn that old friend the mirror around and see if we can find the problem. Yep. I'm dealing with this. I'm applying this to something in my life with my kids right now. Like, you know, more than one of my children has the same exact issue with me. So when it was one kid, I could say, no, 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 that's you. And now the, now I'm hearing the exact same <laughs> words from a second child. I'm like, oh God, I have to fix myself? Yeah, that sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. Don't do that, mm-hmm. whatever you mm-hmm. do. Yeah, but this is right. great advice. And it's it's so hard to see in the moment, you know, and I see it so clearly in retrospect, places where I, I tend towards a fair bit of righteous indignation. And I, I really am almost always sure that I'm correct. Yeah, when everybody has a problem, gosh, I just had a situation where I was like, everybody in this situation is an idiot. And I might have to relook at that a little bit. Possibly the problem was me. Katie. Is that possible? I, the problem being me, Amy? I, 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 it doesn't sound right. I love a little righteous indignation. So Katie, I, oh, I don't like so this advice, it. but I no. believe it. 
But guys, that's a good touchstone too, as you find yourself in in, in difficult situations. Wow, Amy, lots and lots yeah, of good, good advice. Good thing we here. solved it. Now none of us will ever have a fight again with our partner. No, <laughs> we're done. Happy marriages all around, and no more fighting. We solved it. Check and check. I love that this whole discussion came out of discussions on our Facebook group. It's really like, it's really popping over there. People are having good conversations. Yeah, the Facebook group, guys, is so fun. Everyone's posting, talking to each other, giving each other advice. Search for that under groups in Facebook, What Fresh Hell Podcast, or you can find it through our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com. And you can find us on Twitter at WFH Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at whatfreshhellcast. We love talking to you guys wherever you want to talk to us. And guys, with that, that is all of our world's best advice on relationships. And we will talk to you next time. So long. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.